Don't miss the magic and the men behind Talking Tricks with Cain and Abel live will be at the following places. May the 31st will be returning to the Brighton Fringe Festival and then for the whole of that long weekend we're there on June the 1st and June the 2nd. June the 14th we'll be in Hastings. June the 26th to the 30th we'll be performing at the Glastonbury Festival and July the 26th to the 28th we'll be at Kendall Calling. And then for the whole of August we'll be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with two shows daily, Split Egg, a magic show about being twins and the two magicians. Go to www.caneandablemagic.com for more. You're listening to Talking Tricks, the home of amazing stories from magic, circus, variety and comedy performers. Hello and welcome to Talking Tricks, a podcast with us, Kane and Abel, two magicians with the exact same voice and welcome to one heck of a show. That was very good, wasn't it? Very good. That's one of the best we've done for a long time. We've nailed it now. We've got so much to come up with you for you today. It's it's a hell of a week. I feel like it's one of the busiest, most exciting times in the world of magic and we've got a really relevant uh, interviewee coming up for you today. He's in the news this week. There's so much going on in the news at the moment. Well, actually, Abel, can I stop you there? Before you go on too much about the news, Mm -hmm. I've I've done it again. With a girl. Well, yes, but... um, Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Yes, that's the one. Um, No, I've booked a guest. Okay, well, we've got a guest. We've got a very relevant guest for what's going on in the world today. You would just wait two seconds and let me talk. Okay. I've booked a guest to come and read the news. A guest newsreader? I've booked a very famous newsreader. Well, you know I'm a bit of a news aficionado. This excites me a lot. To come and read the news. I booked her last week. Yes. She said she she, absolutely, she's keen to do it. I saw her at a close-up event and um, she said, yes, I love the idea of your podcast. I'll come and I'll read the news for you. That's sweet. Unfortunately, right, last night, I got a little text from her. Okay, I've got to tell you about this. And she, you know, she said, I had all intentions of coming today. You know, but last night, she nipped out for a few work drinks. She was only ever planning on having one glass of wine. Well, it's rosé season, isn't it? Well, some people say that. Um, Her and Sandra ended up getting a bottle. Next thing she knows, she texts me. She says, I'm three bottles of wine in. And we've just ordered shots. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Right, so no guest read, news well, reading. You know how to dangle the carrot, don't you? Consummate professional. Yeah. She messaged me this morning. Right. She said, you know what, Ed? I said I'd do it. Mm. I've got to do it. Her voice isn't perfect. <laughs> but <laughs> she's just jumped on the Jubilee line. Yeah. And she's on her way now. Right. Um, so the guest newsreader, yeah, a bit under the weather, is that what you're saying? She had a few drinks. She might not sound... I might not be able to make it. I mean, she, she might not sound exactly how people remember her. We've had a whole week to practice this. Um, but she's on her way. Yeah. She'll be here at the interval. We'll have the news halfway through the interview. So. Well, I can't wait to hear the news. What a week going on in the world of magic at the minute. Britain's Got Talent is enthralling the nation, but kicking off today is America's Got Talent and joining us 
through the magic of Skype, all the way from Australia, is one of the auditionees with America's Got Talent this year. He won the Adelaide Fringe Festival Best Magic Award. He's going to talk to us about that festival. He's going to talk to us about his upcoming performance on America's Got Talent and how his amazing performance on Fool Us led to it. Joining us right now is Dom Chambers. Penn, tell her. Oh, Dom, you know, it's so good to see someone do a routine that makes sense all the way through. Not just these are tricks I know how to do, but just a whole, you know, obviously the Australian theme of drinking beer. But, um, <laughs> but it all going through, I also love, you know, when you say you're going to do something, to do it. You say you're going to produce a bottle, even though you don't do it right then, you do it. And I think you'll recognize this name. Maybe others won't. We've done the Pat Page moment in your uh, in your thing the glass from the sleeve that's originally pat page an english magician and we've done a version of that but one thing that makes this act so deceptive is the fact that you do the same trick in different ways you know and that's a really important thing do the same effect with different methods and we also love the fact that you've got this casual uh outfit that looks really natural and really modern and really good and that you use it just like a dove magician would use a a set of tails it's really wonderful and you know in dancing they sometimes use as an insult that the uh, dancer has two left feet and we can say as a real compliment you had two right feet you were just terrific all the way through the number one podcast for great stories from the world of magic circus comedy and variety you're listening to talking tricks joining us now on talking tricks over skype on what he claims is a dodgy internet connection but it sounds okay to me even though it's at the other end of the world it's dom chambers dom how you doing Good, thanks for having me. Let's not jinx it. Uh, it sounds good for now, but this is Australia. Our internet's um, one of the worst in the world. Uh, so just uh, be prepared for some dropouts, but we're going to work through this. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. And Dom, the way I, I rarely start these podcasts by asking people how they got into magic, because um, it's normally not that interesting of a story. However, the main reason for that is most of the people we talk to are from the UK and they got into magic through a guy called Paul Daniels. I'm interested to know uh, what got a kid from Melbourne, Australia into magic. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, whenever I, I've, I've heard interviews of uh, British performers speak, it's always, yeah, I, I bought a Paul Daniels magic set. I'm yet to have ever seen a Paul Daniels magic set. I'd love to see what what it was and what was on it. Um, funny enough, I am actually British. I was born in England. My whole family is English. I moved to Australia when I was about six. Um, my route into magic was through my granddad. My granddad learned magic as a hobby, taught um, me magic from, yeah, when I was about five and six. And that's that's basically was my pathway into um, the magic world. Oh, cool. And what so what part of the UK is your family originally from then? Uh, Sussex. Ah, very nice, very nice. Yeah. And then, so you kind of moved straight out to Melbourne at six, was it? Or was it somewhere else in Australia first? Yeah, no, always Melbourne. Yeah, came straight to Melbourne, um, just with flying with the family, obviously. I didn't fly over by myself. Melbourne kind of seems like quite a creative place. I don't know if this is just because I know lots of uh, acrobats from Melbourne, but it, does it kind of feel like quite a creative hub? I think so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's... It's definitely the artsy city of Australia. We've got, you know, it's quite well funded, the arts scene here. I mean, it could be better as it could be anywhere. But, um, yeah, definitely I think Melbourne's the the, uh, the place to be if you're a creative in Australia. And 
Um, you know, we've got the Comedy Festival, Melbourne Comedy Festival, which is one of the biggest comedy festivals in the world, arguably the biggest um, for, for comedy. And, yeah, there's sort of this great um, food and art scene here in Melbourne. So what I'm keen to know, Dom, is is firstly, where are some of the places that you, you started performing in Australia? And also, who were some of those early influences for you? Yeah, so my early performances were, you know, children's birthday parties, doing shows for kids. That was how it was my first job. Um, as for early influences, I was actually in Chris Angel fan. I loved Chris Angel. I think I came into the magic while I really... I really embraced magic at the time of Chris Angel. I loved him. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm looking back, I'm not sure exactly why, but I think he was just, you know, the dude on TV doing all this radical stuff, which was really gripping, I thought at the time. Yeah, some of his early, his early TV specials, I mean, the stuff he did on the street was amazing. I remember he vanished a coin and then it kind of went all the way up his arm and he cut his arm open and the coin came out. And I just thought that was That's the coolest, right. thought it was the coolest yes. thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. And, and there was one thing I, I remember very clearly, which was when he threw, he did like a card through window, but on a moving bus. Uh, and it just rocked. It just rocked. I was, I was really into it. Uh, I'm not sure if I, if it would hold up now watching some of that stuff back. Who knows? Yeah. And so was there kind of, I, I guess, Sort of David Blaine was probably a bit of an influence as well around that time. Yeah, I think I just missed the the Blaine train, so to speak. I yeah. think I was like a a year or so late in terms of when I was really you know looking out for magic, trying to watch magic on TV, look it up on the internet. Um, so Blaine didn't have as much of an influence, but I definitely did watch a lot of his stuff. And then were you kind of one of these guys that? As soon as you sort of started doing shows, is that kind of been it? You've just constantly kind of done shows? Or, or did you have to ever kind of do day jobs and things like that alongside? Um, yeah, so I was I was working at a magic shop slash party venue slash cafe. Um, it was this crazy place that was also where I learned a lot of magic. So I was working there, working the cafes, uh, working the magic shop, setting up the parties, doing a lot to be honest they probably should have paid me more in hindsight uh but yeah whilst i was doing that it was the kids birthdays and then sort of getting out of high school moved on to some more corporate stuff roving close-up magic which is still a big you know most of my income now comes from close-up gigs unfortunately um but you know i did go to uni i did attempt to get a to get a real job which i did for a little while then i realized it wasn't for me and decided to go full-time in magic about um, two or three years ago now. Awesome. And so what, what did you study at uni? I was like media communications, just something general and vague and wanky. Yeah, and that might relate to magic one day. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I did broadcast journalism at uni, which is obviously part of the reason I do this podcast, but I did it and I thought, do you know what, at very least, when I come out of uni, I'll know how to edit video and I'll be able to write a killer press release. So that, that, yeah. that was it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's fair. I have I have sent out some mad press releases. <laughs> that's, that's very fair. And then, um, obviously, you kind of first came to my attention when we first did the Adelaide Fringe last year and you did the half of the festival that we didn't do. And I remember seeing your poster... And I think you had a blender with loads of stuff in it. Is that right? 
Oh, this was like a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I saw it and I thought, that's a really cool poster. I'd love to see his show. But we we just didn't overlap. I was I was in other parts of the country by the time you were in Adelaide. Um, how would you describe yeah. your kind of live shows and what it's like? Yeah, that's right. I remember now. I, I do remember you were on, I think, at the first half of the festival. I was at the back half. And that was a... Oh, a brutal festival that yeah. one was for me. Um, what is what was the question? What's my show? Yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of it, it's kind of uh, I, I like to try and do you know only original magic and it's kind it's comedy. It is comedy. It's very light, um, but I was it's all, also a bit of a mashup of a few other um, I don't want to say art forms domains. I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but you know, there's I, I try to bring in elements from from other types of shows that I really like watching, like. Um, Basically, just I guess comedy and sketch, and I like I like to watch really absurd stuff. I like to sort of watch comedy that um, is not necessarily challenging, but maybe a bit weird. And I like to take tiny amounts of that and add it into my show. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of it is just it's like a the show's called Random because it really is just a random mess of bits. Here are some bits with magic in it. Nice. And um, how how do you find then? I suppose as an Australian act performing at Adelaide, because we've had um we've had a few people on here who who do the Adelaide Fringe Festival, but actually they're all either UK or, or Swedish. In the case of Charlie Caper, um, how do you find it as an as an Aussie act doing doing Adelaide? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it would be that much difference to, different to your experience. Sure. Like I, I am. You know, it is my country, but I do travel interstate to get there. And I've, I've done two Adelaide Fringes. The first one was just an out-and-out disaster. Um, the second one that was this year was great. was really, really great. So, you know, I've had, um, I've had bad times and I've had good times there. I don't know if, um, if it would be necessarily that much different to, to any people coming across um, and the experiences you guys have had. Have you guys had... Good- Good times at the Adelaide Fringe. What's your experiences there? Yeah, well, our first year we we found we got loads and loads of reviews, which was really good because part of the reason we wanted to go out was we wanted to um, spend a month in Australia, and then also we thought it'd be cool to get some reviews, you know, from Australia, which we got, and that was nice, and we had a good time. We didn't make any money, but there's two of us, and we're traveling a long way and staying there for a while, so that's cool. And then this year, mainly what we wanted was to perform in a really nice venue. Uh, and we got that with um, the Nolovian Hall. It looks really nice in there. Uh, there's no sound bleed. So that's really cool. So each year we've come with totally different reasons uh, for, for coming to the festival. And, and we've kind of ticked, ticked those boxes. But it's a tough old festival, isn't it? I think that approach is really good. Like for anyone who does want to do like a fringe festival or any type of sort of open festival, know what you're doing it for. Yeah. Um, because yeah, that way you know you might uh, look if if your goal is just to make a bucket load of money. Well, hey, maybe one day or maybe you will be able to achieve that. I don't know, but uh, it's likely that you'll probably be disappointed the first couple of times around. But if you do have the, you know, these goals, like, yeah, get some great press or, you know, just put on a goddamn good show in a nice venue, if that's your goal, then, yeah, absolutely, you'll feel much better about doing it. 
And then do you, do you do many of the other festivals in Australia or have you kind of got, got eyes on to do those? Um, yeah, so I've, I've been, I've done the Perth Fringe World, which is another really great fringe festival. I think it's now the third biggest fringe festival in the world behind Adelaide and Edinburgh, I think. Don't quote me on that. But that's an awesome festival. I love the Perth Fringe, fringe World Festival. Um, we also have the Melbourne Comedy Festival that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I've done my show in that a couple of times. And the other festival, the Melbourne Magic Festival, which I cannot speak highly enough of, it, it's it's my favourite time of year, two weeks in in winter. Um, it's two weeks of, um, it's like, yeah, it's again, it's like an open festival. Um, I think unlike a lot of other magic festivals, so to speak, in the world, this is a magic festival which is aimed at the, um, the public. So like a comedy or fringe festival, people can buy tickets to see shows. Um, you know, there are guests, there are guest lecturers and guest performers for people who are interested in magic, but the majority of the festival is pitched at the, um, the, uh, the, the public, which I think makes the festival so damn awesome. So I've done shows in all of those festivals, um, with mixed success (laughs) across all of them. But like you said, you've got to go in with, with expectations and knowing clearly what you want to get out of it. Most of the time I have been able to do that. I'm interested to kind of chat about both those festivals that happen in Melbourne with you a little bit. Uh, we'll go in with the mm. Melbourne Magic Festival first. Who who are some of the performers that, that have been there over the years? And whether these are kind of well-known names in Magic or just people that you've seen that's kind of really struck a chord of, of doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, so, you know, every year, I can't tell you how many shows are on this year but it's grown i think there there might be something like 40 or 50 different magic shows which is crazy it's a crazy amount of magic shows in two weeks um originally i think the very first festival had like um maybe five shows and every year it's grown and every year you know we've had a couple of great international guest acts um joshua J. um Danny Deotis, we had, uh, oh, this year, Lu Chen is the big guest act, which is crazy. So, um, but there's also been, you know, this sort of uncovering of amazing local talent. Um, There's this uh, mentalist who's not so well known for his mentalism, but I think his mentalism is some of the best in the world. His name's Lawrence Long. He's famous for his work on TV and radio and comedy, but he's also an incredible mentalist. And, you know, his, you've seen, I guess the Melbourne Magic Festival has played a big part in, you know, the, the uncovering of that, that side of his, um, his performing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been a great festival to be a part of, just to be able to see, you know, every single year, you know, two or three of the great, I, I've actually just uh, <laughs> drawn a blank on some of the, the guest acts, um, Wayne Houchin. Uh, John Archer did it one year as well, Max Maven, um, to name a few. Um, Pretty Alba. big names. Pretty big names. Yeah, yeah. Every year there's always a couple of them, and it's always, you know, tough for I think the organisers to try and um, to do better than the previous year. But, um, you know, this year Chen's doing a show, and he's, you know, arguably, well, the most famous magician in the entire world. Um, I think, you know, he's 
his TV special was watched by like a billion people in China, and now he's coming to Melbourne to do a do a show for the Melbourne Magic Festival, which is is just crazy. Amazing, and and the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Am I right in thinking that people do um, kind of shorter runs there? I know, obviously, in Adelaide, people will do either a half run, which is like two and a half weeks, or they'll do like five weeks. Um, in Edinburgh, it's you know obviously like a three week festival. In Melbourne, is it kind of do people kind of come and just do a weekend, or, or do people kind of do a couple of weeks there? Um, no, so the festival runs for four, about four and a half weeks. And I think most people, I could be wrong here, but I'd say that it's pretty similar. You know, you get a range. You get people who might do just like your one-off, one-night-only shows, but then you've got people doing the full runs or half runs. It's I think it's pretty similar to the other festivals you mentioned. Nice. And then the, the one kind of thing that I, I remember having seen you in in Adelaide, just seen your poster, not met you, and then this year met you very briefly in the Fringe Club. Um, That's right. And spent a lot of before the hitting the, smashing those big corporate gigs, smashing those big, those corporate, big gigs. corporate fringe dollars, right? Well, you see, that is actually that's the one thing I would say. If people want to go to Adelaide and and lose a little less money, then then that is the, yes. that's what you need to do. Those fringe fringe dollars were very handy for Cain and Abel. Um, and they were fun gigs. I mean, the Fringe Club actually. Let's let's just talk about that very quickly before I kind of move it move it away from the Adelaide Fringe. That's a cool place, isn't it? I mean, that that sets um, Adelaide apart from a lot of other festivals. I find. Yeah, yeah. I think Adelaide uh, they they have the best artist sort of hub of, oh, that I've been part of. Perth, um, a near second. Perth's. Um, the Bungie Smuggler, they call it the Artist Central, where the artists can go uh, late at night after the their shows are all done. But Adelaide, they do it really well. And like you said, you know, I'm not a big fan of doing close-up gigs, but those ones at the the Adelaide Fringe, they were always awesome. They were so good. Yeah, I think it was it was a really nice idea. You know, people for those for those that don't know, basically, there were sort of corporate gigs where people would come in, they'd have some canapes, a performer would go over and do something, which on, on some nights was Dom, on some nights was Kay and Abel, on some nights was other great magicians and sort of sideshow acts. And then they'd kind of go down the road and watch a big show. And it's, I mean, what a way to spend an evening for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why it was so good, because they're in the mood, they're ready for to be entertained. You know, they're in... Um fringe mode they're going to go see some stuff and that's why they're welcoming and excited about seeing a close-up magician um unlike the majority of audiences at a corporate cocktail party absolutely and um yeah so the one kind of thing i noticed in in between your two fringes was uh i saw you on pen and teller fool us what a great performance how did that all come about yeah this is crazy so kind of threw a few things together um which ended up being you know the Appearing Beers Act. That was the act that I did on Penn and Teller Fool Us. And I was just yeah, playing around with this routine. I, I took a video of it um, while rehearsing and I sent a few, I sent it out to a few magicians and people were like, well, this is kind of cool. I think you're onto something. So I tested it at a, a night. I used to run a monthly magic night in Melbourne. And I was like, I booked myself that night. Just wanted to just test this out, see how it went. And I videoed the performance and you know, people people were quite into it and I was like, I think this could be a, a winner. So literally that fir- video of that very first performance is the video that I um, ended up in the hands of the Penn and Teller producers. 
And they saw this very first performance of it, and they said, um, yeah, we want this on the show. I said, okay. Uh, and they said, it's like in a couple of months' time. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I basically had performed it once, and it was a very new routine, and it was quite – it was one of the more like technically difficult routines that I'd, that I'd done. So being asked to do that on TV, doing such a you know an unpolished and um, new bit was daunting. And so a brand new act that you'd kind of put together. Obviously, loads of magicians loved it. You end up on national TV in front of arguably the two biggest magicians in the world doing a brand new act. Um, is that something you'd recommend for other magicians going on for us, or would you say go with the tried and tested material? Probably not. <laughs> go in with the tried and tested. It was just so stressful. It was the most stressful couple of months of my life, um, just trying to get it right. And it still wasn't right. Like, it was still a rushed, really, really rushed, unpolished act, um, in my opinion. There's going to be hopefully another. Um, it's 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 evolved into something I think a lot nicer and a lot um, more polished and complete, and hopefully there will be a a TV performance of that coming up in the next few weeks actually, um, but uh, yeah maybe I'd probably recommend going on with something you feel a little bit more comfortable with just to save you the mental stress and exhaustion that I faced. But, I mean, Penn and Teller, um, it wasn't a fool, fooling act, but they loved the act. They were pretty complimentary about it. Yeah, they were really complimentary. And, I, you know, it's not a magician fooler um, by any measure, so I wasn't really expecting to fool them. Um, but they were they were really into it, and I had a nice little chat to them backstage. Fortunately, they kind of passed me as they went to do their makeup in between acts, and they said some really, really nice things. So, yeah, that was really cool to hear, you know, nice things from you know, two two of your two of my magic idols that was amazing and what's the process like like with that you, you get the email or the call saying they, they want you on the show and then it's a few months later and they do they fly you out to vegas put you up how, how how long are you there for is there kind of rehearsals and stuff i'm interested and i think our listeners will be interested those that haven't been on for us and kind of what that whole process is like yeah, it was, um, it was a bit of a whirlwind. They, they did fly you over and, you know, as soon as you got there, you were straight into interviews. Most of the time was spent on, you know, those video packages you see at the start of each uh, act. It's a lot of filming for a couple of minutes of video. So you're doing a lot of, you know, B-roll and interviews. Um, then you've got your rehearsals and... And eventually, you know, you're on the stage performing in front of Penn and Teller, and then they say goodbye. Hope they hope you never see you again, and they just that's it. It's just this really fast, action-packed two or three days, and then they fly you out of there, and it's all over. And I guess when you, what did you make of Vegas? Did you like it as a place? Well, I'd actually been to Vegas a few times before. Cool. Once when I was, you know, 21 with some mates from high school, which was, you know, proper Vegas experience. Um, with this time around, there just wasn't that much time to actually see and experience Vegas because it was just, you know, full-time P 
Penn and Teller fool us. Like I said, they bring you in, film, film, film. See you later. Um, but I, 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 I don't, I don't um, mind Vegas. I think you know maybe half a week to one week is enough time to spend in Vegas. Uh, but so long as you've got some some shows to see, um, if you do that, yeah, it can be a really good time. Yeah, and I, I guess if you were. A- out in Vegas again, or I suppose if someone's flying out to Vegas, uh, who would be on Don Chambers' kind of top top list of shows to check out out there? Um, Mac King. Yeah. Saw his show actually on that time that I was over there for the Fool Us. That was awesome. That was so good. Um, one of the best magic shows that I've seen, and I, I think it's because it was it was you know ninety five to one hundred percent original. And originality for me is something that, you know, I, I really value in magic shows. Um, other than that, Absinthe, which isn't necessarily a magic show. Have you seen Absinthe? No, but I, I kind of know of it. But uh, t- tell the listener, um, for those that kind of haven't seen a poster or haven't seen the blurb, what Absinthe is all about. Yeah, it's a so fun show. Not a magic show. I don't, I guess, sort of late night, raunchy, cabaret, circus um, and they say and do whatever the hell they want, and the audience loves it. Um, and that was 100%. That would be the show I would say you've got to see if you're in Vegas. So you mentioned um, that we might be seeing a, a, an act by you on TV soon. I, I see you've auditioned for America's Got Talent. Talk to us all about that. I have, yes. I head over to the States in, I think it was maybe Jan or Feb now. Um, for the audition, and that will be airing in, I think, about a couple of weeks. I don't know exactly, but I think the first episode airs in about four or five days uh, from now. Uh, now, so it's going to be about the 28th of May, I think, is the airing of the first episode. So, yeah, you'll be able to see a, another TV performance of uh, from myself on there. And what led to you making the decision to, to go on America's Got Talent? Um, that was actually, it did come from Penn and Teller Fool Us. It was a direct, they directly contacted me after that Penn and Teller Fool Us episode aired and um, asked whether I would be interested to go on the show. And and I felt like um, it could be a fun thing to do. So, you know, I'm going in with not just to be sort of an open mind and um, going to give it my best shot. You've gone out to do America's Got Talent. Do, do Australia have a Got Talent series and kind of, was that ever a consideration for you? Yeah, we do. So it hasn't been on for a couple of years. It never rated too well. Uh, and they're bringing it back this year. I basically committed to the American season before the Amer- the Australian season got announced. Um, but to be honest, I think, you know, America's Got Talent. That's the big one. That's the you know one of the biggest shows in the entire world. And that's where you really want to get your act. So that was really the, the goal for me was to get on the uh, American version of the show. And um, maybe, yeah, one day I would consider doing the Australian one too. But I think in terms of getting that exposure and, and where it's going to take you, America's Got Talent's the show to be on. So, I mean, you know, one great TV um, appearance so far on Full Us, AGT coming up, which, you know, hopefully is going to go super well for you. Um, what are kind of some some of your, your end goals then? What are you kind of looking to achieve? 
Um, that is a good question, and I have no idea. Um, at this point, what makes me tick is just creating good magic and um, performing it. Really, it sounds cheesy and cliche, but that's really what makes me do what I do and what motivates me. Um, and if that means that, you know, if all that comes out from AGT is that I sell a few more tickets to future shows, then that's great. I'm happy with that, but I'm just really just um, going to just uh, see where it takes me at the moment and just enjoy the ride rather than have any particular, you know, end goal in mind. And obviously you, um, you know, living and working in Australia, cracking America, one TV show at a time. Is there any uh, aspirations to, to kind of make it over to the UK at any point? Again, I just don't really know. I don't have a lot of plans um, or goals. It's just, again, just taking it as it comes. Um, I'm, yeah, performing more in America than I ever have been. I'm actually going back to the Magic Castle in a couple in a, in a week. In a week's time for my second performance there. So it seems like I'm really in and out of the States at the moment. But, you know, I do love, I do love where I live, but um, everything's a possibility, I suppose. And how do you find work in the castle? That's got to be a great gig. Oh, it's the best. It's so much fun. Um, sharing the, I'm sharing the parlor room with, I think, your buddy Paul Beck, actually. Oh, beautiful. Poor you. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, and how do you kind of find, like, L.A.? Is that, that a city you enjoy visiting? I enjoy parts of L.A. Um, I'll, I'll probably leave it at that. Okay, cool. And... <laughs> Dom, I mean, that's kind of ticked all my boxes with everything I kind of wanted to chat um, to you about. Uh, is there any kind of anything else that I haven't asked or that I wouldn't know that's kind of coming up that's exciting that you want to mention? No, not really. My, my whole life is just AGT at the moment, just uh, ready for that to land and see where it takes me. If there are future rounds, we'll find out in a couple of weeks' time when it airs. Um, so that's, that's all I, uh, yeah, if you, if any, if anyone's interested, then I think, um, I'll be posting, um, the videos of my act on my Facebook and my Instagram and, um, anything that happens from there after you'll be able to see, um, see on there. Super stuff. Well, well, good luck with AGT. Lovely chatting with you and Hey, no problems with the internet at all. All smooth sailing. Oh. Who would have, who would have thought? <laughs> awesome thanks so much for having me cheers, cheers Dom thank you well Dom Chambers for you there which means it is now time for the news and I'm going to be honest I didn't think you had it in you I thought you were winding me up but anyone that knows how studios work you know you have where the main presenters sit and do their reading and then you have a little glass box to the side where the newsreader kind of comes in two minutes to the hour with a piece of paper and reads the news and a global megastar from the world of news reading one of the all-time greatest journalists has walked into the news reading booth with sunglasses on that I should and, and a bottle of Lucasade and a Barocca because I do, I do need to mention for anyone that missed the introduction of the show she had a very heavy night last night so she might not sound perfect but go ahead introduce her because I know you're excited ready to, to introduce the A-list celebrity we've got in the corner I'm beaming with excitement I can't believe he's got her ladies and gentlemen with today's news it's Moira Stewart
Britain's Got Talent live semi-finals continue tonight. Odds on favour David and Finn are 4-1 to take the prize in Sunday's live final. Magic-based acts Jonathan Goodwin, Ben Hart, X and The Brotherhood are all still within a chance of making the live final. There will be a touch of magic on the one show tonight as Dr. Brian Cox will join the sofa to give away more of the secrets behind the universe's biggest illusions. Also expect telekinesis from star of Stranger Things, Millie Bobby Brown. Tonight's show is a must-watch for magic fans. You heard it here first. Love Island will begin again this weekend. The once-in-a-lifetime magic gathering takes place in Costa Rica and will see performances from Danny DeOrtes, Belle de Earl, Rui Clan, Paul Vigal, and organisers Andy Gladwin and Joshua J. With more coming up this evening, I've been Moira Stewart. Well, Moira, thank you so much for coming in and reading the news. And uh, I want to kind of turn the table on you. This is, I know, a little bit weird. I hope you don't mind me asking you a few questions, Moira, because I'm such a big fan. Not at all. It is a pleasure to meet you, Abel. Okay, and uh, Moira, I, I suppose we're talking about magic there. We um, Obviously, Griffin's got talent. I wonder if you've got a, a favourite magician out of all of those? Anyone you'd like to see win? As of the people of the show, yes, I must admit I don't know any of those people of the show, but my favourite magician of all time was P.T. Selbit. Was it really? I saw him once when I was a little girl and it, it made, made my life. You saw him when you were a little girl? Yes. You were older than I thought <laughs> you were, Moira Stewart. And, well, thank you. And, oh, I, I'm sorry, Moira, but I think uh, it's actually Love Island will begin next weekend and... Uh, the retreat is what you mentioned, the magic event in Costa Rica. That isn't Love Island. Listen, Abel, I've been doing this job for 57 years. I just read what you put on the piece of fucking paper. <laughs> well, Moira, thank you for joining us. It'd be, it'd be lovely to have you a pleasure. <laughs> here again. Well, always meet your heroes, that's what they say. Thank you, Moira. And, and now that we've met her, Kane, um, I must say, Moira Stewart sounds uh, a lot like your impression of Marlena Dietrich. Ah, I suppose. Yes, perhaps they do. Yeah, they both got a slight lisp. Yeah, and I suppose they both both say America in the same way, like the words are falling out of their mouth. What did Marlene Dietrich used to say? She had some quotes, didn't she? Is Moira back? No, I was doing my Marlene Dietrich. Yeah, and obviously some of the <laughs> some of the younger listeners now, Kane, will probably be thinking, who's Marlene Dietrich? Well, the younger listeners will be thinking, who's Moira Stewart? Well, absolutely. And Marlene Dietrich, sorry, Moira Stewart, of course, uh, not too savvy with the Britain's Got Talent um, live finalist, but let's do it, Kane. Come on, he's 21 to win with the bookies. Let's put our, put our money on him right now. Big Ben Hart. Big Ben Hart. He came on this show a few months ago and he said, well, I'm he going... hinted that he was going to be on this show and now he's on it. So I'm, I'm sticking a tenner on Hart. I think, honestly, it's a good year for Magic. Yes. A lot of people are saying that um, Magic will win. Yeah, I think it'll be a good win if. Um, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> if a, if a magician wins this year, uh, and no matter what, whoever wins, it'll be fantastic. But obviously, you know, I've got a bit of a crush on Ben Hart. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put our money where our mouth is. Good luck to Ben. Good, <laughs> good luck to all the uh, semi finalists, all of the finalists. Um, we will. We'll, what? So, can you bet on Britain's Got Talent? You can, yeah. All oh, right. All the bookies take money. So, do they? Yeah. Yeah, so you can bet bet on them. Oh uh, yeah, because Moira mentioned that David and Finn were four to one. She did mention to take that. the prize in Sunday. 
live final. Sunday's live final. So actually the next time we speak to you will be after Sunday's live final. So we'll either celebrate the winner or if Dave and Finn win, we'll just never mention it ever again. Thank you for listening to Talking Tricks with Cade and Abel. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast.